What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes. Joined as always on my co-host, Daniel Hammock. And Daniel, it was a fun week of college football this week. Several ranked matchups, a lot of fun to watch, and a great week also for our picks. For the season, we are sitting at 47-40 and 40 overall at 54%, which is awesome. Our pick of the year of the week has won three weeks in a row now. So we were three and two. We're now six and two, sitting at 75%. Shout out to the dogs for the easy cover there. And Daniel, you went four and three, and I went five and two. What what game was the most what which loss was the most disappointing on your picks this week? Disappointing uh, probably Missouri, just because I hate Florida. But also <laughs> Kelly Bryant coming back, I did think was gonna be a shot in the arm. Yeah. Uh, credit to Florida, though. They really dug deep and uh, really limited them on offense. It never was a question. Even if the score was close, Florida just seemed like they had the whole game in hand. And um, yep. that was probably my most disappointed pick because I figured Mizzou could keep it within eight points. So, Yeah, we both lost the North Carolina plus four and a half on Thursday night. That one, man, North Carolina just did not look like themselves Thursday night and I really felt good about them winning outright, and Pitt, you know, credit to Pitt, they look great. And Pitt does that to you. They get yeah. you not looking how you want to look. So. I mean, that's how they won the Coastal last year, and, you know, very on brand for the ACC Coastal. <laughs> and hey. Kansas State, man, Kansas State was my other loss. West Virginia's been really bad all year, and that's from high to low, from beating Oklahoma to losing to West Virginia. I mean, not just losing the cover, lost outright to West yeah, Virginia. Yeah, like best team in the conference versus worst team in the conference. Right, right. Kansas State, what are you? But we had wins. Daniel, you you know, right on the money with Alabama. I actually, I was with you, and then I heard a stat over the weekend. It was from the Bear on ESPN. Like the last five times Alabama lost a game, their next game they didn't cover. And so they were 0-4-1 against the spread. And I was like, oh. That doesn't sound – I was like, that's not, not what I thought it would be. I think and that's so, what put the number down because by kickoff, I think it was down to 18 points. It was. And, and we took it at 21 and a half, I think. So I, I did. I didn't think Tua was going to play, which we will talk about here in a second. But, you know, loss with Missouri, wins were Michigan, that was loud. Texas, you know, yeah, I think we hit on the money where I thought it would be a shootout and that Texas would cover even if they didn't win. So great pick there. Washington State beat the breaks off Stanford and then Fatal. a loss with Wake Forest and Clemson. Clemson has uh, you know, gone into playoff mode. So They have. Um, they were the most dominating win of the weekend. So Yeah. And my wins, Louisville, laying three and a half, big win. Iowa, laying two, outright win, big win against Minnesota, which we'll talk about. Baylor plus ten. <sighs> That's a win for the pick, but – Heartbreaker. Lost in your heart, yeah. Right? Memphis laying 10, and my, man, my favorite pick of the weekend was UMass plus 40 and a half. <laughs> was there and ever a doubt? There was. They, they won by, um, the one by 38. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Northwestern won by 38. So, I was like, wait, no, 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 yeah, it was 45-7. So, you know. <laughs> A little worrisome, but hey. Oh my gosh. You can't yeah, forty and a half was too much even for UMass. So five and two in the week for me, four and three on the week for you. Great week for our picks. Well let's talk about the big storylines, big games this weekend, and we gotta start with Alabama. They played a noon game against Mississippi State. 
138 to seven, but unfortunately that is overshadowed by just a horrible injury. And when players get injured, I know people want to look for something to blame and someone to blame, but I mean, there's no one to blame. I mean, you can say why was why were they playing? They were up 31 nothing. He shouldn't have been in the game. But as a coach, you can't worry about players not being injured. And right. a, a pretty normal procedure is pulling your starters at halftime if you're up big. And so I don't blame Saban at all. You know, two is a grown man. If he wanted to play, he was going to play. So and he had been cleared that, to play. He'd been cleared to play. It wasn't like he was at medical risk and they were like, he can't play. And two is like, you know, Saban and two are like, no, nah, he's playing. Um, and here's and so, the thing. It's like they, I'm sorry to cut you off, but they running two minutes. Tua wants to go back in and run that. Saban was mentioning that he was thinking about pulling him. But like you said, a lot of times it's after halftime. Many times, I mean, especially in the playoff era, 35 to 7 isn't fully in question or isn't fully a done deal, which is what the score was when Tua got hurt. But um, I was listening to a, um, a, a, a scout talk about things and um, – this past week, and he was saying something to the tune. It was Chris Landry. He said something to the tune of, um, "You would rather pull your starters after the first drive of right. the second, the half. second half. Yeah, that way everybody's locked in through halftime, and nobody's yep. goofing off, and you have a focused message." Um, so even though they wouldn't have pulled the other starters, there was talk that they're going to pull Tua and then move on to the other guys. But the fact that he was cleared. And it wasn't the ankle that got hurt again. It was a freak injury. It was his hip. Freak injury, so, yep. Um, you know, no one's to blame. Um, it was not, yeah, it's just victim of circumstance. Football is a violent sport. Tua has been prone to injuries in his career. Um, you know, so for that reason, you could have said, hey, once you got a fourth touchdown lead, you could have pulled him. But, you know, that's hindsight. Anyone who tells you that they were thinking otherwise, I mean, largely is just trying to get attention for themselves and trying to stir the pot because Saban's the greatest coach in college football history. And he's an advocate of the players. He's an advocate of, you know, it's just, he's not, he, this would hurt recruiting if he's playing hurt players. This is not, you know, um, John Voigt and varsity blues, giving a guy a shot in the knee and sending him back out to tear his ACL with a bunch of scar tissue. This is simply Saban had a player killer to play, played him freak injury. Um, and obviously our thoughts and prayers with Tua, hopefully full and healthy recovery, which looks like that's, you know, very possible. And he's going to be able to continue his playing career, but probably done with college football. Yeah. And you and I talked about the yesterday and, yeah, first of all, thoughts and prayers with the Tua. And I know the doctor's statement that came out, you know, today, Sunday night, was that he's expected to make a full recovery, which is awesome. There, we just don't have the timetable on that because, again, it's a freak injury. It's not like NECL where we, we know the rehab procedure. We like we know right. what it's going to take. He's done it like, for years. Yeah. To his ankle surgery he just had, he's done it twice. He knows the rehab. This this is different. And so, you know, Tua is a fun player to watch. He's made Alabama. I mean, he changed Alabama's offense, bottom line. And he electrified college football. And so I hate that – I agree with you. I think he's done at Alabama. I hate that his career at Alabama ends in this way. Um, but next thing we have to talk about is 
what does this mean for Alabama? In your opinion, is Alabama out of the playoff, given that there's other one-loss teams that could get in that four seed? And that's the key. You know, we talked about it a little bit. I think that the committee is going to do a their due diligence and not just reward um, record and resume, which Alabama really doesn't have the best resume and their record. Obviously, they've lost to the best team that they've played. Now they've dominated other teams, but you know, if they finish the year beat Auburn and you know finish the year eleven and one, I do think other teams will get benefit of the doubt over them. Bama will no longer get the cachet, um, fair or not. But you know, the committee is also in the business of making money um, for the sport, and ratings are part of that, and all of those kinds of things. So you don't want to put a Mac Jones led. Alabama team in especially over a potential conference champion I don't think that they're completely out if you're talking about some sort of chaos happens they're not going to punish them but they will put in an Oregon conference champion or Utah conference champion they will put in uh, even an Oklahoma conference champion Baylor conference champion yeah um so all of those are possibilities um and then I think that you know, in the event that let's say it was a Georgia beating uh, LSU, LSU would stay in over them, which they beat them head to head. That's not a big deal. Um, but maybe a second Big Ten team would also be in question, maybe over in Alabama. So they just need they would need a lot of chaos to happen here in the last couple of weeks, and um, they would need a very specific, you know, you know, very specific things to happen for them to. To, you know, we'll see obviously Tuesday night what the committee thinks of it, but I don't, I don't know if the committee is going to necessarily drop them. I think that they would just have somebody jump them in the event of a loss in the top four, which obviously one and four currently are going to play each other. You know, assuming LSU wins one more of their SEC games, they're going to meet in the SEC championship with Georgia. So, um, but yeah, so I think it's, I think it's, they're all but eliminated. Um, you know, you hate it for them, but at the same time, they've got 17 championships. So, you know, not to make light <laughs> of it, but they're going to be fine. Well, let's talk about some of the ranked games this weekend. Um, first one was Navy and Notre Dame. And Notre Dame took care of business. They're, they're starting to roll. And, I mean, big win for Notre Dame. I thought that game might be closer. Um, I didn't think Notre Dame would cover, but I thought it would be closer. And now... Notre Dame's got two games left that should be wins with Boston College and Stanford. You think Notre Dame wins out after this win? Well, they're definitely beating Stanford because hmm, anyone can beat Stanford. But, uh, but yeah, Stanford. I, they're not. They're you know they they seem like they're focused. Um, I was gonna make a joke with you because you said that you think the AAC is better than the ACC. I do. Uh, and Notre Dame is a pseudo fake member of the ACC and they just pounded the AAC. So just like to point that out, my friend, that yeah, they're not in the ACC. (laughs) (laughs) If they would, the conference might be a little bit better. Yeah. And basketball, they're in the ACC. So anyways, no, it was a um, dominating win for Notre Dame. Um, I still don't know necessarily what this means. If this just means that they can defend the option. Okay. Their offense played really well in this game, obviously put 52 points. That's not easy to just do on anybody. Um, Claypool so, had four touchdowns. He's unbelievable. Yeah. And I mean, they, they're going to, you know, they're, they're positioning themselves very well for a new year six bowl game. Um, yeah. 
but you know they've got to continue we'll to see do this. all in the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> yeah, no, they they win, especially if they win their last two games convincingly. Because like what you said, you have to have style points. This game had style points and flair in a ranked matchup. So you know, by all means, they do it again. They're they're going to be sitting at ten and two, looking really nice and shiny. They're you know, they'll they'll be there. Um, yeah, so. and the com- the committee is not going to keep. Notre Dame and its viewership and money out of the New Year Six. So no, that's be, it's a win for everybody. Yeah, especially when New Year Six is no longer strictly tie-ins to certain yeah. uh, conferences. It's perfect for an at-large team like a Notre Dame, who's an independent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah credit to get- Notre Dame, great win. Um, and Brian Kelly, I mean, heck of a coach. It's difficult to get your team to focus after that second loss and finish out the year strong with quote unquote something to play for. Um, and he's doing that. He's doing that very well. Yeah. Since that loss beat Virginia tech by one, which is a close game. And then Duke by 31 and then Navy by 32. And so I think they finished up the year 10 to two looking at it in year six bowl. Um, good for Notre Dame. Well, let's go to the CBS national game of the week. Part two of the double header, which was Auburn hosting Georgia and, Georgia, I mean, Georgia dominated for about three and a half quarters. And then uh, I think a little bit of Auburn Jesus took over. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, Georgia Georgia switches to a zone defense after running man for the majority of the game. And Auburn had some success against it. They switched back to man on the final drive, got a big fourth down stop. And huge win for Georgia. FPI actually predicted Auburn as the winner of this game. And now you're looking at because Texas will most likely drop out of the rankings this week after that loss. And so you're looking at LSU and Georgia having the same number of ranked wins. Um, and so Georgia actually moved up in ESPN's strength of record, which measures the, you know, the, the average 25, the average top 25 teams chance to have the same record as, you know, whatever record you have. And Georgia's ranked third in the country behind Ohio state and LSU. And so, Ahead of a couple undefeated, or excuse me, there's only three undefeated teams left. So ahead, ahead of Clemson. Clemson, ahead of Clemson, right. um, and the and for sure like the best resume of a one-loss team given their wins. And so dominating performance by Georgia's defense. I saw that um, I believe it was Peter Burns who tweeted from ESPN that what Georgia's defense and Georgia was doing at Auburn was equally as impressive as what LSU did against Alabama. It's different styles of play. You look at LSU. And their, you know, their offense is absolutely elite and electric, and their defense is doing just enough to win games. Georgia's the opposite, and so you can pick what you like. I know offense is flashy, and you know, offense is what people like right now. But Georgia's defense is elite. You could argue it's one of the two best defenses in the country, and their offense right now is doing enough to win games. And why try to do more when you can do what you need to do, <laughs> like? Jake Fromm always says you can't do, you can't go broke taking a profit, and that's what Georgia's offense does all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, well, um, something that I noticed from the game. Well, first of all, you know, credit to Auburn, they're definitely a great team. Uh, you saw down the stretch they didn't give up. I mean, when they go down twenty-one nothing, and the way that they had been moving the ball to that point, very easy for them to just throw it in. Obviously, you look at a few changes defensively, Georgia play calling, but. Um, you know, the one thing that, I mean, they, they're able to drive down and get that first touchdown to uh, Eli Stove, throwing that touchdown pass. Um, so great job by Bo Nix 
to kind of settle in. I know he's at home, so he shouldn't have been rattled necessarily other than the, the George defense. But um, And then Auburn broke that streak for Georgia and definitely, <clears throat> you know, they got that first rushing touchdown. Um, obviously hated to see it. It was a fun stat to talk about. But get, uh, Georgia gave up their first rushing touchdown of the season, and it was to Auburn and to Bo Nix, uh, quarterback scrambling in and uh, drawing it to a touchdown game. Um, but, you know, this is one of those games where it's similar to, um, you know, I think we mentioned it before with Georgia Notre Dame, where most of the media came out more impressed with Notre Dame than they were before. I think this is impressive by Auburn because they've gone toe to toe with, you know, the three losses they have were to three great teams and, you know, Auburn limited Georgia. I mean, you look at passing yards. Fromm had 110 passing yards, and um, most of that or half of that was on that long pass to Dominic Blaylock early in the game uh, for that long touchdown. So you look at just limiting them on in the pass game. The running game didn't, you know, I mean, DeAndre Swift had a great game, but Georgia definitely had to manufacture those 21 points. It was not something that was a gimme. Um, obviously the one, the early touchdown, that was a long pass, but the other two were long drives that took place. So, um, you know, Auburn, I definitely anticipate seeing them stick around in the top 15, hang out there for the remainder of the season. And then, you know, a, a Mac Jones led Alabama going to Jordan Hare. I mean, <clears throat> look, Auburn could end at eight and four and everybody would say, this is what we expected or Auburn may may beat Alabama. I don't know. I'm not necessarily predicting that, but it's a definitely a much more interesting game with, with Tua out of the equation. Yeah. I think stat of the game, and you're going to cons- consistently see this with Georgia, is Auburn carried the ball 36 times for 84 yards. And that rush defense has just been unbelievable for Georgia. And like a lot of people have said, like we said, like there's not, you know, Georgia doesn't have that Roquan Smith. Like, this freak player, top 10 pick, no doubt, like the difference maker on defense. But they're playing 25 guys on defense. I mean, that's and insane. And they played you, 37 this year. And you're, and you're seeing, but you know, but that's what they're rotating like regular. They're rotating 25, 25 regular, yeah. And you'll see one thing they're super disciplined about is anytime a team substitutes, the ref will go to the ball and Georgia will immediately look at the sideline and there's four or five guys running out of the field and four or five guys running off of the field because anytime the other team substitutes is Georgia will put in four or five fresh guys and the level of play continues. I mean, the depth on Georgia's defense is unreal. And the fact that, I mean, you've got some young players getting playing time. Nicobe Dean, an inside linebacker, Nolan Smith, an outside linebacker, um, Trevon Walker, Trevon Walker, true freshman that got the, the game ceiling sack. I mean, Tyreek Stevenson at corner. Tyreek Stevenson, and he's, he's huge. He's big. He looks like Lorenzo Carter out there. We're in number seven and he's a yeah. defensive back, but, but huge, huge win for Georgia. Um, they needed this one bad for, you know, to keep their seat for Georgia. Every game's an elimination game from this point, but this was the big one. Now they've got Texas A&M this week, which will give them a game. I still think Texas A&M might get somebody with her. Georgia LSU. We'll see if they can put a full game together. But big win for the dogs. And One quick thing I'll say is I think you can kind of see Kirby growing as a head coach. Obviously, George is his first job. Um, and each year it seemed like he's kind of made some in-game decisions that may have not made a t- ton of sense. Obviously, the 
the fake punt last year against Alabama. Then, you know, there's, there's been countless others. And so that's been his biggest knock. Um, and then even this year against South Carolina, uh, just with how the clock was managed towards the end of the game and not kicking a field goal when you have a, a weapon at kicker. Um, so different things like that. He didn't make any blunders in this game. And it seemed like he was ready as far as his gamesmanship approach. He was ready uh, for every, you know, adjustment Gus was making. It seemed like Kirby had something else to do. So um, aside from them going zone for those two touchdown drives, other than that, there wasn't any in-game decision-making. If anything, Auburn made the mistake with calling a timeout before the half and letting Georgia go back down and score that last touchdown yeah. uh, to go up 14 nothing before the half. So. Yeah, shout out to them for that. Um, I'll start with Minnesota and Iowa. It's November, and Iowa gets somebody at Kinnick Stadium like they had the last few years. Whether it's Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Minnesota, they've all lost in Kinnick Stadium in November. And Minnesota's undefeated season ends, but everything is still ahead of them for Minnesota. I mean, if Minnesota wins out, they're in the playoff. And that's not a sexy name or like a sexy pick, but... If they went out, they will be in the playoff. They would have beaten, you know, a great Wisconsin team and most likely a great Ohio State team. And, and a so, good Wisconsin team yeah. if they were to win out. And how fun. What is is that the Battle of the Axe trophy? Yep. Longest um, running rivalry in college football. Is that not the most fun way to do it? Everything's oh, yeah. on the line to go to the championship? Yep. That's how you want it. So in, in a way, I don't have a dog in the fight, but I was pulling for Iowa simply so that that would be a winner-take-all game at the end yeah. of the year. So um, Iowa, you know, <laughs> another Kinnick classic, as you said, just, you know, they they have something for uh, Minnesota, and Minnesota kept it closer than I thought. I mean, a four-point win, um, you know, Iowa covers, but definitely, uh, I mean, it was a good, you know, game back and forth uh, in question in the fourth quarter, all those kinds of aspects, so... Um, you know, classic Big Ten matchup. Yeah, and Minnesota didn't give up either. They were down 23 early, came back, lost 23-19. And so, um, yeah, great win for, for Minnesota. And then, man, game of the night, Oklahoma and Baylor. And, man, we were texting, like, Baylor came out and pounced, and they were running away with it. They were opportunistic. The points off turnovers were there. Fumbles, interceptions. Brewer was dealing. I mean, running the ball, passing the ball. Oklahoma didn't have an answer for him. And then they got up 28-3. to <laughs> And and the joke started going, you know, going around on Twitter. And, man, Baylor loses in epic fashion after being up 28-3. And you and I being from Atlanta, that hurts just thinking about it. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, I mean – Tough loss for Baylor, but again, everything is ahead for both of these teams. If either one of these teams wins out, you know, they're going to be in the college football playoffs. So tough loss for Baylor, but when you win a lot of close games like Baylor has, it's tough to continuously put it together all season and win those tough, you know, they've played in two overtime games already. They have two other games that were within three points. And so, you know, a loss was coming. I would have loved for them to beat Oklahoma, you know, in what was one of the biggest games in Baylor history. But Jalen Hurts, man, after having a really rough first half, credit to him for coming out and rallying that team 
without his best receiver in CeeDee Lamb as well. Yeah, and two running backs are hurt. And I mean, he's just, he's doing it. Um, he's been leading their team in rushing, but that's largely because he's had to. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of talk is about, you know, Joe Burrow being the Heisman front runner. And I think it's definitely his to lose uh, with Tua's injury. I mean, Jalen Hurts is there as far as someone who I think will probably be invited to New York, assuming that they're able to finish out their year uh, with just one loss. Um, but I'm wondering if his Heisman moment wouldn't be that snap that went by him and he ran back and picked it up and threw it out of bounds for an incompletion rather than losing 30 yards because um, they were able to set up the the field goal to to take the lead at that point. Or maybe that was to tie the game with a touchdown. Um, but definitely a very valuable play right there. But, yeah, he um, I mean, he kind of dug them into the hole. And then he dug his way out for the, the rest of the game. So Oklahoma's still in it. Um, you know, Baylor's still in it. Baylor gets him again um, in the championship. And, you know, um, Jacob, you were, you've talked about this before, that it's difficult to beat a team twice. Uh, that's something that we've, we've definitely seen in the past. Um, and, you know, I think back to, like, I think it was like 96 with or 97, whenever Florida won the the national championship, but Florida state beats them in the regular season. They rematch. Then in 2011, LSU and Alabama, um, LSU beats Alabama in the regular season. Bama meets them in the national championship and takes care of them. Georgia and Auburn um, in 2017, Auburn beats Georgia the regular season. Georgia comes back and wins the SEC championship over them. So Baylor and Oklahoma, I mean, would you rather win during the regular season or win during the championship? So, you know, uh, from that logic, Baylor set up to do something special. But Oklahoma's used to this stage, so we'll see as that gets closer. But this was definitely a fun game to watch. Um, I was mainly watching it just because it was the best game on and Baylor was up big, so I was like, all right, I don't even think Oklahoma come back, but whatever. And then Oklahoma starts chipping away, and I said, all right, well, I'll just hang around and see if they can do it. And they did it. So, you know, credit to Oklahoma, credit to them not giving up, and uh, Jalen Hurts for, you know, quite the show towards the end of the game. Yeah. We're going to talk about two more things. We're going to talk about our rankings, and then we're going to talk about some conference standing scenarios as some conference championship games are being sealed up, but... Daniel, our rankings, our number one team changed again. LSU's RAM was one week, <laughs> and yep. Ohio State jumps back ahead of them. I ranked Ohio State ahead of LSU this week for the same reasons that I talked about last week in that I think Ohio State's defense and offense are elite, whereas I think LSU's had an elite offense and a good defense, and now I think they might have maybe an above-average defense, <laughs> maybe yeah. not a good defense. And so, plus all the metrics we use, Ohio State is literally number one in every category. They're indicating for, that. Right, except for strength of record, because nothing else can touch LSU's resume. Well, yeah, resume, um, that's what it's all about. Yeah, so. no, no, nothing can touch it. So, <clears throat> you know, I think there's not a wrong decision for who you put one. You know, I'm going to, as long as it's one of those teams, I think you're right. Like, whether it's Ohio State or LSU. We've if it's not Clemson. one of those teams, you're definitely wrong. For sure, 100%. If it's Clemson, you're wrong. <laughs> um, although Clemson's been, I mean, Clemson, like we said, gone to the championship mode. They're dominating. 
Uh, they're at number three, and then Georgia stays at four. Bama stays at five. The biggest jump in the top ten is Utah up to number six. They jump up from ten. They jump um, Oklahoma, Oregon, Penn State, and, and Minnesota, obviously, from last week. And so big jump from Utah. Utah, if we can talk about what we talk about the standings, but Utah is quietly, I think they're better than Oregon. And Utah is healthy. They've battled some injuries, especially with their starting quarterback and running back in the middle of the season, and they got back. That defensive line is legit. That's what, that's one thing Utah has always been really good mm-hmm. is they've always had a really good defensive line, always been great in the trenches, but Tyler, Tyler Huntley's legit. I mean, everyone's been talking about Oregon as the Pac-12 champ, and I wouldn't be so sure. I think, you know, if, if anything, it's going to be an incredible game. I'm, I'm very that- excited to watch that one, uh, whereas in years past <laughs> – Pac-12 really hasn't excited me, but this one, I yeah. mean, it's really for all the marbles because with Alabama being in question, um, if LSU beats Georgia, that number four spot is wide open for a Pac-12 champ. So, yep. Um, so. I was interested. I mean, the whole LSU-Ohio State thing, I think, you know, I talked about it last week where I think the committee has gotten it right thus far with when they've put people first. And then um, I do think that LSU will take one more week as the number one uh, team because, um, you know, them and Ohio State both scored a bunch of points and then they also gave up, you know, Ohio State only gave up 21, but it was to Rutgers. And then LSU gave up, you know, what was it, 30, 30 points? 38. 38. 30, wait, 37, 37. 37. 37 to Ole Miss. So, you know, I mean, I think that it would hold – and then next week, Chase Young gets back, and they play Penn State. And I think if Ohio State beats Penn State, then they'll rock it back up to number one at yeah, that time. That would um, give them the same number that's of just, wins. But again, that's just speculation. I, I I agree. I don't think there's a wrong choice one way or the other between the two. I do think the committee will keep LSU at one for one more week. And then, assuming Ohio State wins, they'll flip them. Um, but, Yeah. Oklahoma still in our rankings at number nine. Impressive win against Baylor, but everybody ahead of them wins. And, um, you know, they're just kind of – they're hanging out there hoping that teams ahead of them will lose. Um, so, you know, like we said, Oklahoma could potentially get in over in Alabama um, if they finish out and win that pack, uh, Big 12 championship. So, Yeah. Other teams to mention – Texas A&M is now ranked after being unranked in our rankings. They're ranked 18th. Big jump for them. They're 7-3 and three now, so they quietly have rolled off some wins. Washington is the only four-loss team in the rankings, and they're ranked 24th, largely based off of metrics. And so, I mean, uh, yeah, there's some players out one there of us that, ranked them, so. Yeah, SC Plus has them pretty high, and, like, game control, they're pretty high. Again, they've been – I get it. They've been hot and cold. And so when they've been good, they've looked like a top-10 team. And then when they've been bad, they've looked like a below-average Pac-12 team. <laughs> and so um, it'll be fun for the rest of the season. But let's talk about some conference battles. You know, a couple conference races have have finished, but let's talk about the, the, about the American. So there's three teams who still have – I've included everyone who has a chance to win still, who has not officially been eliminated. So for the American East, Cincinnati, UCF, and Temple – all still have a chance. Uh, Cincinnati clinches with one win. 
And so they're six and zero in conference, one win, and they clinch. Um, and then they play Temple this week, and so they can clinch with a win versus Temple this week. And so I, I think they finish with a win against Temple this week. I think they win the American East. What do you think? Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, they've. Um, I mean, they're looking better and better, and they're gonna eventually help Ohio State. Um, not that Ohio State needs their help, but that win for Ohio State over Cincinnati is looking better and better. Yeah. Every week, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. that looks like the only flaw so far in this team. They handled UCF earlier in the year, um, so. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Temple is definitely a tough game to win just because Temple is a tough out. You've seen that um, pretty much all year. Temple is going to be in this game, I think. But yeah. Cincinnati, I think they're just going to they'll finish them out um, by the end. If it's just <laughs> they just have to have one more point. So <laughs> yeah, it's not about style points. Just get the dub and they will win the division. So the American West, you've got three teams still in it as well. You've got Memphis at nine and one. SMU at nine and one, and Navy at seven and two, and so uh, Memphis five. They're all five and one in conference. Memphis clinches with a win, basically like a win, and then a an SMU loss, or if they win out, they win. And so one win plus one SMU loss, Memphis clinches. If they win out, they clinch because they'll have the tiebreaker with SMU. Right. SMU can win. SMU and Navy are in the same scenario in that if they both win out and SMU loses, I'm sorry, and Memphis loses, right. either one of those teams won the conference because SMU and Navy play each other. Right. And so win out plus Memphis loss, either one of those teams. So if Memphis loses and both Navy and SMU win this week, then next week they're playing for all the marbles. Yep, exactly. That's exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. So, right now, I do think, I mean, Memphis plays USF this week. <laughs> so, um, with that, I think even, you know, if they win that game, they can lose the last game of the season to Cincinnati and still clinch um, the West because they'll have the tiebreaker. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think Memphis wins. I think they win the, the, the American West, personally. And that game against SMU is huge because I think it, that's what's going to decide the West. I mean, do you think SMU can win out? SMU on their schedule. Um, I'm pulling it up. I'm sorry. They play at Navy and then versus Tulane. I just think they lose one of those games. And even if Memphis was one of the last two, then then they're in. And so. I think it's, I mean, it's interesting. Um you know, SMU, obviously, when they've played tougher teams, has been closer. Um, but, you know, I think that they could beat – I mean, Tulane will be tough. They've been tough out all year for everybody, similar yeah. to how, how Temple's been. Um, but I think they could win out. Uh, I'd rather, you know, if you're looking for what schedule would you prefer to have, I'd rather have SMU's reigning schedule than Memphis's. That's true. Um, I think Memphis is a better team. Obviously, you saw that play out on the field. But having to play – you know, UCF, who is perennially, like, at least the past USF. several years. USF. Oh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, no, no. So that's a dub. But <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati, yeah. Cincinnati, you know, they're the class of the 
the conference really. So, so if, if Memphis, <laughs> sorry, if Memphis that just wins, changed yeah. everything. If that Memphis one little wins letter. the West, it's a it's a back to back weeks of Memphis Cincinnati, and so you might want to lose the first game because the winner of the second one might you know go get the New Year's Six bid. We'll see because you know you got to be other one loss teams, but. Hey, the American. We're talking about the American on the on the uh, the extra point podcast. So, the ACC Atlantic has been wrapped up. Clemson went undefeated in conference. Surprise, surprise. Moving on to the much more fun side of the conference, which is the ACC Coastal. Yes, <laughs> always fun. Ready. Always on brand. So we said a few weeks ago it would be a three team race. We were correct about that. We had the three teams uh, mm-hmm. wrong, and so. We had North Carolina in. North Carolina has dropped a couple games, unfortunately. And so now it is between Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Pittsburgh. So um, Virginia has one ACC game left, and that is against Virginia Tech. If they win that game, they clinch. Virginia Tech has two ACC games left. If they win out, they clinch. And then um, Pittsburgh has two ACC games left. If they win out, there's no more complicated. They have to win out. Virginia Tech has to beat Virginia. But then Virginia Tech has to lose. Who's their other remaining ACC game? I'm sorry. NC State. It is. Oh, I'm sorry. They play Pittsburgh. So if Pittsburgh beats Virginia Tech. Pittsburgh wins then, out and Virginia Tech beats Virginia. Yeah, Pitt's Pittsburgh here. wins the Atlantic. So, yeah. um, excuse me, the Coastal. My pick right now would be that. You know, the thing that Virginia can't get over the hump on is beating Virginia Tech. I think they finally do that and get over the hump and beat Virginia Tech this year. And if that's all they got to do is win, you know, against Virginia Tech to win the Coastal, I'll take them this year to beat Virginia Tech. So I'll pick Virginia to win the Coastal. What are your thoughts? Well, we've been picking Virginia all year. And then a few weeks ago when we kind of, you know, looked at the whole conference uh, or whole division – I, I picked Virginia at that time, too. Um, so I'm going to stick with Virginia. However, something to keep in mind, Virginia Tech's playing with a lot of pride right now. They're playing very strong, and it's Bud Foster's last year. He's already said that he's going to retire at the end of the season. So, you know, longtime defensive coordinator, um, originator of the lunch pail defense. Um, so I really you know, had a lot of respect for him. I think he's a great great coordinator and defensive, you know, defensive mind. He's put a lot of guys in the NFL, especially from the defensive backfield. So um, he's someone that I think they'll play really hard for rivalries. As you know, Jacob are just insane. The amount of, you know, energy and emotion that it's played with. So I Good think Virginia that- wins, but, you know, asterisks by this one, this one will, you know, this one is one not to overlook on Rivalry Weekend. So This is fun. Virginia, Virginia Tech for the ACC Coastal, essentially. Could be. Yeah. And so, which is a lot of fun. It's awesome. And so, ACC Coastal, always on brand. We love it. Let's talk about the Big 12. This one's pretty simple. There's technically five teams still involved. Oh, really? But, but really, it's Oklahoma and Baylor. And so we are most likely looking at a rematch here in a few weeks between Oklahoma and Baylor. And you already mentioned it. It's hard to beat a team twice. 
that would be a ton of fun to watch those two teams play again. It was a classic the first game on a neutral site. Can Oklahoma blow them out? Can Baylor, you know, get back in it and fight again and win? I wonder what Oklahoma? the line for the second game would be. Yeah. This one was 10 points. I wonder if this one would get, drop it down to three or four or something like that. I might think seven on a neutral site. Yeah. Oklahoma minus seven. Uh, Oklahoma State's the wild card in this because basically every team, so Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Texas, if they win out and then Oklahoma or Baylor lose two Big 12 games, they're in. So Oklahoma or Baylor would have to lose two games, so lose out, like for one of the two teams to have a chance. Oklahoma and Baylor clinch with one more win. And so Baylor's got Texas this week. Big game, but I'll take I'll take the Oklahoma Baylor rematch for the Big Twelve championship. And then the Big Ten, huge game this week because Ohio State can clinch with a win versus Penn State. And Penn State can almost clinch with a win against Ohio State. They'd have to beat Ohio State and then win out as well. Because they already have that one Big Ten loss against Minnesota. You taking Ohio State this weekend? Early yeah. lean. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the line yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. I haven't seen the line yet, but I would probably definitely <clears throat> I would definitely take Ohio State just to win. Uh, but we'll see how close. Definitely getting uh, Chase Young back, who has been in the Heisman race, uh, which has been impressive. So at least publicly in the Heisman race. I don't know if people are actually going to vote for him, but – you know, I think that obviously took him out of it, having been suspended for two games. But he's already got a crap ton of sacks, so uh, definitely could help his draft stock. And, you know, he's coming back at the perfect time against the best team that Ohio State's played to this point. And, you know, getting ready for their championship run. So, yeah, give me the give me Ohio State. But I got to see what this line's going to end up being before I decide if it's going to be a picked game or not. Big Ten West, you already mentioned it. It's going to be a winner-take-all last game of the season in the oldest rivalry in college football, the battle for the, the Paul Bunyan Axe. And so Minnesota and Wisconsin, what's your early your early feel for who wins that game and then who gets to play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship? If I'm going motivation, I mean, Minnesota has not been in this position in a long time, and they've got the ultimate motivator – in PJ Fleck. So definitely looking for that. But I also wonder if the air has been let out of Minnesota and they're no longer rowing the boat. And, um, you know, Wisconsin just comes and just hits him in the mouth. I think, I mean, running back and defense, give me Wisconsin quarterback, give me Minnesota quarterback and coach so it's like what do you trust more running back and defense or quarterback and coach i'm going to take the running back in the defense um i think this is gonna be a classic i think this is going to be everything we want in that kind of a game so i'm picking wisconsin to win i just watching what utah was able to do defensively this week and slow the game down to their pace i think wisconsin will be able to do the same thing just much better like we held a Wisconsin in very high esteem towards the beginning of the season. I still think that team's there. Uh, Pac-12, which we talked about a little bit, 
Oregon has officially clinched the Pac-12 North, and Utah can clinch the Pac-12 South with a win over the next two weeks. They have Arizona this week. I mean, Utah is going to clinch. So we're looking at a classic Utah, you know, Utah versus Oregon, top 10 matchup, one loss teams, winner potentially going to the college football playoff, depending how everything else shakes out. And so fun one there. And then the SEC, the SEC East was clinched this weekend by Georgia, which we talked about. And the SEC West can be clinched by LSU. All they have to do is win one of their final SEC games. And they've got, let's see. Arkansas. Here. Arkansas. <laughs> Any, <wonder>. mini miny Arkansas. <laughs> So looks like LSU versus Georgia officially for the SEC championship, and so these I will say um, it's it's totally like LSU historically for them to back into the SEC championship by losing a game. So um, in 2007, they lost to Arkansas the weekend before the SEC championship against Darren McFadden, and yep. I think it was five overtimes, at least three overtimes. It was a lot. It was a, so much fun to watch. Matt um, that was their second loss, and they went and won the SEC over Tennessee, I believe. And then yep. they go to the BCS National Championship, and they were they the first and only the Ohio State. They were the only two-loss BCS National Champion in history. I think they're I think they're the only two-loss National Champion in history, but I could be wrong about that. Definitely BCS. So, you know, something that the playoff we thought would produce at this point has not LSU has had two losses and done it. Now I'm not alluding to say that anything like that's going to happen, but you know, something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, Cause Hey, when they play A&M in two weeks, I mean, that's a rivalry, I guess it's supposed to be, it's listed as a rivalry. So we'll call it that. But um, Jimbo versus LSU is a rivalry. If yeah. you want to say that. And then A&M they're, um, athletic director came from LSU. Um, so actually, vice versa, LSU's uh, athletic director came from Texas A&M. Anyways, it'll have those kinds of flares, and A&M's got enough talent to at least give them a game. Arkansas yep. will not do that. So nope. not a not a chance. But <laughs> we will be back Tuesday night for our live rankings reaction. We will compare our rankings to the college football playoff rankings. We'll talk college football playoff and some predictions there. But until then, I am Jacob. He is Daniel. See you.